on this week's episode, the Rings of Power reveals its Sauron. Will Gotham Knights be a big hit? And did Halloween kill it at the box office? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Jared Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of the great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you could like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos... The Lakers fast break, inside sports fantasy football, although I am getting killed this week on fantasy football for the first time this season, <laughs> so I am not too thrilled about that. Game source, and of course everything that we do for you out there at popculturecosmos.com, because we're the number one tabletop RPG streamer that's out there on Facebook, plus also as well, we cover the latest news and trends of pop culture, again, at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, and if you can support all of that, it is sincerely appreciate it but it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without a good friend a returning good friend and in once again for josh peterson who is still gallivanting around the country he's a good man indeed you got to go ahead and check him out every time he's here lakers fast break or dig on america it is my good friend it is tj johnson and tj great to have you back spewing all the knowledge that you have each and every time out on pop culture double g i appreciate you having me out brother thanks for, for thanks for the open invitation i appreciate yeah, it always i told you the red carpet <laughs> I know. is always open for you here i am two weeks in a row yes and i love it everything you know, i just hearing your insight I know you're excited about Black Adam, so at the very end of the show, I want to make sure you get your thoughts in on Black Adam, because at the end of this week, we're finally going to see Dwayne Johnson debut in Black Adam, as far as in the DCEU or DCU or whatever they're calling it this week, so (laughs) we're going to go ahead and talk about that on the back end of the show. Speaking of DC, we're also going to go ahead and hit up on another conveniently timed release for the dc universe in a video game called gotham knights so i want to hear his thoughts on that because i know this is something that he may or may not be interested in so we'll talk about that coming up as well also as well i do have a correction and also some deeper thoughts on the netflix ad supported tier it may not be as great as you think so we'll talk about that coming up on the back half. Plus, TJ has some thoughts, extensive thoughts, not only on something he likes, <laughs> but something he doesn't like with Sony and its continual comments on Microsoft, Xbox. And I'll add something in there as far as what was rumored this past week as far as what Xbox tried to do with PlayStation. That's coming up on the show as well, plus... Do, 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 do. We finally got a reveal. (laughs) Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power on Amazon Prime. Who is their Sauron going forward? So we'll have thoughts on that. Was it a surprise? Was it not a surprise? And was it a good choice? We'll talk about that coming up on the show as well. 
But first, my friend, it is the box office, and here in the United States and worldwide, the leader in the clubhouse is Halloween Kills, which wasn't too surprising, seeing how this is the trilogy, this is the ending of this particular reboot, which you and I both know that they'll go back into again in the not-too-distant <laughs> future. I think that's not a stretch by any imagination, but the Jamie Curtis-led trilogy... Yes, she was in the original, and I think she was in Halloween 2, and she's now in this latest trilogy set of movies. So actually, it's not like a reboot or, or a remake. It's actually a mm -hmm. continuation of that yep. part of the series. So, yep. But this is the last time she's going to period. She's actually said that publicly. They've actually, the studio, have said that publicly. It got off to a, a little bit less than expected start with about $41 million coming out of the U.S., which, again... It's the best opening for any movie in the past three months. I mean, Bullet Train, Don't Worry Darling, Smile, none of them got off to those kinds of starts. So I think for that particular part is good. But the fact that it came out day and date on Peacock, people are suggesting may have actually tempered the box office thoughts on it a little bit. So your thoughts on this, my friend. We've always joked on the show about Peacock and its reach out there as far as it being the the kid that gets bullied on by the other streaming services. It's just, it's just not oh, doing as well as the others. But it still has an audience. It still has, what, 20, 30 million subscribers. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. be that as it may, that could have taken away some of the effect of Halloween Kills. Your thoughts on this, my friend. First off, on how it's finished as far as this part of the remake trilogy or whatever they want to go ahead and stress it out because again it still ties into Jamie Lee Curtis's character but right. your thoughts on Halloween Kills as far as how it did this weekend at the box office you know ultimately brought in about what was it 60 million worldwide I want to say it was like 50 58 and some change million yeah. worldwide I mean it's respectable considering the fact that it released day and date on Peacock as well I mean, you know, it's, it's really very much like we talked about last week in regards to people now having their choices on how they want to consume their media and media that they feel like they can enjoy the experience more at home as opposed to going to a cinema to watch it, then they're, they're going to start to do that. So I think it's it's not overwhelmingly impressive, but it's not terrible either. I think they were projected to gross anywhere between 50 to 60 million. So yeah. uh, in theaters, the opening weekend. So they're, they're, they're pretty much on mark, on par with what they were expecting. Do you think that Peacock took, that much away from it i think it took enough away because again you know we can decide how we want to see this movie now we're talking about box office sales so yeah. you know obviously if you have those 20 million subscribers of peacock or however many subscribers there are now and they all go to the theater to see you know halloween then those numbers change quite a bit so i think that the streaming wars has definitely shown us a different way and movies are going to feel the effects of it. So if, if it's a movie that does not scream, I need this cinema experience, then, you know, you're going to feel it. Um, in regards to the critical response to Halloween, I think it's pretty, you know, there comes a point in time where we, we, we like to go through this nostalgia and recycle old content, recycle old films, old movies. And I think that it's, it's, it's good from the standpoint it gets to, finalize Jamie Lee Curtis's character in this series and allows her and her character to move forward um, 
and not and not be a part of this particular you know franchise anymore. But, Laurie Stroud is her character. Laurie Stroud, thank you. But saying all that to say, I'm okay if we don't see another Halloween movie. Period. Uh, I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I'm I'm okay if it doesn't happen. I think the last one I I watched that I really enjoyed, besides this recent trilogy with Jamie Lee Curtis again, is there was the. And when I say really enjoy, I think I just enjoyed the fact that I was watching a Halloween movie. But I think it had Busta Rhymes in it. And look, man, I'm <laughs> I'm a I'm 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 a fan of a good scare movie, um, but I'm much more of a fan of a a movie that ratchets up the tension and is much more of a plausible story. Something that I could actually foresee happening. Like I absolutely love the Purge films. Not that I necessarily foresee them happening, but the concept of the tension that's ratcheted up every time the the purge night happens, you hear those sirens go off. Those are the kind of movies, thrillers, if you will, that really kind of get me going. But with the purge though, if I may, Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. the purge though, they kind of burn themselves out or burn the audience out on that because they came like back to back to back. Yes, they did. And then they did the sci-fi series, which they they probably should have saved for Peacock series, but (laughs) they burned that. And and now they're just seemingly, there's not as, any interest for it right now now absolutely you and i both know it'll probably be refreshed and repackaged in about uh, let's say by the end of the decade as far as a new purge and they'll probably try if it has any success we'll probably try a new set of series of films from there yeah. this even though it underwhelmed us slightly at the box office it still garnered 40 plus million dollars like you said close to 60 million dollars in its opening weekend box office so mm-hmm. I have a feeling that they're going to repackage this again a little bit sooner than something like The Purge, which, again, <laughs> it looks like they, they took that, Universal did, and just, you know, rung the, you know, just Rammed every little, it, yeah. yeah, because it was so <laughs> much back to back to back, and back to back to back to back, with Halloween has been spread out over the course of what, since the 70s, yeah. so it seems like to me that it's something they can still do, although, again, they will not have Jamie Lee Curtis's character laurie stroud anymore for it they'll probably have to create someone else that could be a dynamic foe against whoever michael myers would be facing against next absolutely 40 years to tell this story and yeah i, I think it's time to to, to move forward and, and kind of give it a fresh uh fresh coat of paint if you will yeah yeah I, I agree with you with the purge they definitely they they definitely ran that until they couldn't run it anymore and while it was a great concept uh, too much of any good thing is ultimately not good. So uh, I'm because they kept on year after year after year. Yeah, they did. They did absolutely. I I just I think if you if you know why not getting political. If you look at the political landscape or the societal landscape that we find ourselves in, where people just seem to be so on edge and such on the verge of of just snapping, uh, it's a, it, it introduces a very interesting concept. So I always like to look at entertainment as a as a, a window into our world and what we're dealing with in real life, right? And you always wonder, or you wonder, you know, if we as a society had an opportunity for a purge-like experience, how we would respond, how we would react to it. So those kind of movies tend to resonate more with me because they can be based in a little more, quote-unquote, realism than a, a person who seemingly always seems to keep up with you no matter how fast you're running and how slow he's walking. He always seems to find a way to, to catch you. It's almost like the tortoise in the hair he just doesn't stop coming i enjoy i, I enjoy the the halloween films and and, and this one is going to be no different but i'm i'm okay if i if if this series goes away for a while it's going to have to for at least a few years before they bring it back but i see that for that a 
smaller window than what the purge will do because i think again with the purge i think it's just for now run dry and if something came out in the purge continuum i don't think it would meet any kind of success let's say if it came out five years from now seven years from now i think that probably would be a better time frame as far as give it some time to breathe and people will come back to it like we talk about with the game of thrones talked about this before with the game of thrones where you've given it time to breathe everybody had the you know the taste the bad taste out of these you know season eight <laughs> and the finale and everybody just like uh, uh no more game of thrones for me no more game of thrones i don't care what prequels or or add-ons or whatever they're gonna do and then i don't care about it anymore and then all of a sudden you know they just had some time they just took some time about three years and uh, you know took some time and there you go that that's all it took so i think at, at some point in time I'd say three years of probably is when they'll probably start hinting at probably a, a rebirth of Halloween. Once again, purge, I think, again, that's probably going to have to be a seven to eight year wait. To be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, agreed, agreed, agreed. So what are your thoughts out there on the success or okayness as far as the success <laughs> of Halloween kills? We don't know the numbers yet from Peacock. So if it was a huge success on Peacock, we could all be wrong and say, you know what? It was a big success after all. So let me ask you this out there. Did you catch it on Peacock or did you go check it out in theaters? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. So let me get this straight. We're going to play a like a video game together? or Well, not exactly. Okay, fine. W- where's the controller? Uh, that's it's, it's right here. This is literally a sheet of paper. I don't understand what you're... Here, you're going to need these two. Dice? You just hand. Are these even dice? We are gonna play Vampire the Masquerade. It's a role playing game. What kind of vampire do you wanna be? Okay, now you're telling me there's more than one kind of vampire? Oh, my friend, you have no idea. There's an Osferatu, there's Vampires and Vitae, an actual play podcast. Season two to Pop Culture Cosmos. Well, my friend, there's still so much more to talk about on today's show. In fact, we just closed out the first season. For the umpteen billion dollar expensive <laughs> Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. And I'm going to ask you some questions on this. Obviously, the ending came for season one as far as the big reveal mm-hmm. in that Sauron was actually revealed. It was a switch at first. There is going to be some spoilers. So if you haven't checked out the <laughs> Spoiler episode. Spoiler alert. Yes. So if you haven't checked out the episode, please go ahead and check out the episode. Put us on pause and then you can go ahead and. and Listen to us right after you go ahead and check out the episode. But the identity of Sauron was revealed. And you knew, first off, since they tried to go ahead and give you the misdirection in that Meteor Man was Sauron in the first 30 seconds, one first minute of the actual show, you knew that was going to be a misdirect. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it ended up being... A misdirect. They played it out for a little <laughs> while. But the thing is, as you already knew already, there was going to be a misdirect about 15, 20 minutes again. You already saw the signs of who actually was going to be Sauron. And it ended up being Halbrand, the supposed king of the Southlands, which they actually uh, found out actually was uh, Galadriel, who had somebody find out, look through the catacombs. She's he searched through the catacombs and found records indicating that the line of the royalty of the Southlands was broken off over a thousand years ago. So 
whoops nope. somebody's playing somebody here so oh, oh yeah yeah so halbrand his wording started to get a little bit darker and darker and darker until again she brought it up to him and say oh by the way you're not actually the king of the southlands who are you and of course he goes you know who i am and you know <laughs> starts playing some evil tricks on her mind playing some mind games trying to get her to uh Go ahead and convince her, oh, be my queen, be my queen. And, of course, we all know that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, So it turns out, yes, that Halibrand is Sauron. And at the very end of the episode, you see him walking towards Mordor and Mount Doom to do what? I think we have a good guess to do what. Because mm-hmm. the, at the very end of the episode... They found a way to go ahead and expand the very precious small amount of mithril that the elves still had. So the elves were able to go ahead and stretch out and create with other alloys enough of the powerful mithril to go ahead and create not one, not two, but three rings for the elves. So this is actually, if you remember the movies and the original montage, do you know what? I love that original montage mm-hmm. as an explainer. I think it's one of the best explainers ever for something that comes in fresh. I think that's just one of the best explainers there. Mm-hmm. No, they have not given the rings to men yet. No, they've not given the rings to dwarves yet. Even Sauron has not even gotten his ring yet. But you figure since he's heading to Mordor and Mount Doom, that's probably on his wish list right there for you. So, <laughs> yeah. But the three rings are actually already been made for the elves. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts on this episode? I understand that you you've been piecing it together mm-hmm. as far as what's gone on. It, it is something that again with Halbrand and the reveal as him as Sauron, it is something that deviates a little bit from the wording of J.R. Tolkien, which I thought from my history books and from my memory was that he actually for a long time actually patterned himself or had uh, disguised himself as an elf to be, be among the elves first before he revealed himself as Sauron. So this takes a slightly different detour on that realm. But your thoughts on this, my friend, is something that, again, was very interesting, was very much speculated on, because as soon as they saw Halbrand on the raft, they said, that's Sauron! So <laughs> already on the internet so they were right yep. they can pat themselves on the back yep. but your thoughts my friend on Halbrand becoming Sauron and revealing himself as the major force to be pushed against for the rest of the series you know the internet is undefeated let me tell you there are so many things that the internet detectives around the world can figure out and they can take the most minuscule seeming detail, the most minuscule of minuscule seeming details and be able to piece together R plus L equals J. So, so many fan theories that end up coming to fruition that it's, it's actually pretty funny. So yes, this is kind of the, the one thing that nobody was really surprised about happening. To be fair and to be clear, when you have prequels and again we talked about this last week when you have prequels you you there's always going to be a level of expectation right there was always watching the prequel star wars trilogy it was just a matter of when anakin was going to turn it wasn't if he was going to turn it wasn't you know it's almost like watching a slow descent into madness if you will so when you watch these prequel shows and you get to understanding that 
we knew that Hall brand was Sauron. We all had a pretty darn good idea. How, why it took Gal- Gal- Galadriel. I can never pronounce her name. Galadriel. Thank you. Why it took Galadriel so long. Well, I can't do it like the elves do, but the little Galadriel. 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 I love the way they, they, they do that. Roll their like, tongue. Yeah, exactly. That's not me. Why it took her so long to understand, I don't know. But it doesn't change the fact that we've all seen it coming. So while it's exciting and it's it's fun to see this all play out because again these are these are our childhood memories that we're talking about so this is our childhood and being able to understand where so on really came from it wasn't surprising it doesn't change the fact that i'm still just as excited for season two as i was and it just went into production so obviously we're gonna have some we're gonna have some time before we get to season two but i'm excited and I'm I'm curious to see how they continue to progress this story now that they've already got three rings of powers for the elves. How are the men going to get their rings? And then is Sauron's ring the last ring to be forged? Because then he's going to be the one ring to rule them all. Like I'm curious as to what the order of operations is. When does he get that sweet armor that he has in the Lord of the Rings? Like there's there's so much now that has to play out that now that we've gotten a taste, we want more. I know as a as a as a fan of Tolkien's work I want more I want to understand more about this world and and exactly how we got to the points that we came to in Lord of the Rings and why they just won't refer to Gandalf as Gandalf why they why they just won't say it's Gandalf we know it's Gandalf we know it's him stop playing with us just say his name and that was the other big reveal yeah exactly (laughs) because with the with the meteor man as I'll call Mm -hmm. him he's called the stranger I think he's Mm -hmm, the stranger yep but everybody likes him in the internet because the internet is always right. Yes, <laughs> is Meteor Man. So in this episode, the three disciples of Sauron, the, the uh, how should I say, call them a Sauron stands, as the kids say. These okay, days. all right. Sauron right. stands, yeah. So like they've, been, they've been tracing, uh, trying to trace Sauron throughout this entire season. They weren't really much of a factor until this last episode where they, they go ahead and, again, they in their infinite wisdom, they call out the wrong person as Sauron. So they think Meteor Man, they finally catch up to him. They say, oh, you're Sauron. We've been tracing, we've been following you. You have, you have returned to your ways, Sauron. Come on, come on, you can do it, you can do it. And then, you know, with the power of love that the Meteor Man has for the Harfoots, especially Nori, that ended up taking care of him for so much of the season, he realizes that he can actually be a good person so he fights off the terrible Sauron stands, and after a, a nice little magical battle, he proves victorious and realizes that he is not, or actually it's told to him that he's not Sauron. He's actually a wizard. Yes, so, yeah, interesting little twist there. Could he be you know, a certain wizard that we're all familiar with? Who knows? We'll see. I just didn't like the fact, the only thing is that he went from someone who could not speak very much at all mm-hmm. throughout the entire series, and then some gets zapped by the Sauron stands with some magical force to try and reveal who he is. All, and then all of a sudden after that, he can just speak like you and I. Very so, eloquently. Very yes. eloquently. It's funny very eloquently, happens. yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's funny how that happened all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was just like, huh, okay they'll teach me to go to the refrigerator but i will say he went from barely speaking to just speaking so you know that was crazy but other than that like i said it was a pretty good episode 
it wasn't the best episode of the mix, but it was a very solid episode over to a very solid series. I know you said you had issues with the pacing early on in Mm -hmm. order to go ahead and and do some character creation, Mm -hmm. but I think what it climaxed into and what it built itself to, even though there was some expected turns that were really, you know, did not surprise anyone. I want to hear your thoughts on this overall. I thought it was an excellent season way to start off. Yes. From the early Nielsen numbers of the early weeks, it looked like that the original investment of close to, what, $750 million by Jeff Bezos, excuse me, Amazon, uh, has paid off so far. So Mm. We won't get the full story. We won't get the full story until the Nielsen ratings come out for next month for this last episode. But your thoughts on this? I thought it was an overall pretty good season. I think it, for me, which I know is probably not for you because you're such a huge Game of Thrones stan. (laughs) But I thought for me, of the two, I'd probably say the the Lord of the Rings beats it out for me over the Game of Thrones just slightly because I thought both were good. What? So, yeah, I'm sorry. I told you already, for me, Lord, Game of Thrones just checks the boxes. And for me, that's just checking the boxes. You got to get more interesting characters in that House of the Dragon thing. Got to get some more interesting oh, characters. Oh, 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 Remember we talked about this. Blasphemy. So, no, no, blasphemy. Blasphemy only if you, you prefer one over the other. But your thoughts on this, my friend? I know that, again, you you liked both. You've had very good things to say about both. But your thoughts on this before we head on out. And I know you, after the break, you'll also have some additional thoughts on Game of Thrones, House of Dragon as well. Well, Fair enough. Well, I I appreciate that. Like you, G, I I really did enjoy this series. I don't think I enjoyed it quite as much as you did. Out of a 10, I'd probably probably give it a solid 8, 8.5 out of 10. Yeah, that's Um, where I I I put it. Okay, and I put, I I, I'm so far. I'm putting House of the Dragon like just a little notch under, like a seven, seven and a half. So. Okay, all right. Okay, it's checking uh, the boxes for me and not doing anything more. <clears throat> so yes, I thought the season <laughs> was very. I thought the season was good. I thought it was exactly what we needed from a premiere season to kind of set the table for what we are to expect. And it even had a little, a couple surprises here and there. Nothing that was too out of the part because, again, with it being a prequel, we have an idea of ultimately how this story ends. So for it to yeah. be able to 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 catch our attention for uh, the amount of time that it has and still tell a story within the story that we were already we already know, yeah. it's a testament to to the writers and it's a testament to the the world that's been created uh, by Tolkien. So I, I'm I'm a huge fan of of the Lord of the Rings. I remember never wanting to watch those movies in theaters and then because everybody else watched it i was one of those guys that i, I refused to jump on the hypes right so here i am now a pop culture guy and i i'm on hypes but i refused to be that guy at first so i never watched the lord of the rings in the theaters and then one day uh, we were going to watch another movie and we just walked into the i want to say halfway through uh return of the king and i'm watching it and i'm like oh my god what is happening like there's dragons and like, it was so much going on. So, of course, then I became immediately hooked. And so now I watch all of them all the way through. I'll spend a day watching all of them if I can. So I'm saying all that to say, for it to be able to still do that to me at this stage in life with everything that we have going on, all the other commitments that we have, we still find time to be committed to the Lord of the Rings. That's a testament to the world building that Tolkien has done. So I'm excited for that first season. I'm ex- even more excited for the second season. I'm looking forward to more reveals. Uh, more surprises and being able to kind of see more origin stories, if you will, from some of the characters that we've become so familiar with over the last 10, 20 years. So uh, I thought it was a great first season. 
I thought it was a very good first season. Well, like I said, eight, eight and a half. I'd probably put in that same same range as far as as well. Although I know there's some things again that are obvious that they're going to have to start addressing early on in season two, like a sealed door. No, he doesn't die. He just because he had, he you know, like went face first into a house, or a house mm-hmm. went face first into him, does not mean he's dead. Nope. Of course, he's coming of course back. Not. Of course, yeah. he is. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Does he ever get back to <laughs> Numenor? That's another story. Of course, we end up, we pretty much know what's going to happen to Numenor in the not too distant future. Will it happen yep. in season two? That's up, up for speculation. Or do they want to just lengthen that out into a season three or a season four type deal with the destruction of Numenor? But there are some things that we know what's coming. Like you said, the, this, the creation of the rings, what mm-hmm. order does this come in? Does it deteriorate even more between the elves and the dwarves? There are some questions that we can still ask ourselves on that. But, yeah, just some very interesting things to going forward. Yes, I do like the fact that, you know, they have created specific characters for this that were not in the Tolkien universe. Mm-hmm. That they mm-hmm. needed to go ahead and flesh things out because I feel that since Tolkien didn't go and he, he was very vague in some yes. parts of, of this second age. It wasn't as specific. It allowed them to go ahead and create some things. And they didn't blow it because yeah. when you add things sometimes to these type of universes, you can blow it. You can create characters that will just dominate and just dominate in the wrong way as far as, oh, man, that's, he sticks out like a sore thumb because he stinks so bad. But I will say that right now that I'm very satisfied with what I saw, the creation of the new characters for this series were well, well done and well thought out and didn't overplay themselves. And overall, again, it's a great step forward. And I think for Amazon, it wasn't a home run, but it was a nice double or triple using the baseball terminology there. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. Well, that, and thing is, though, with all the money they spent, did they need a home <laughs> run? I don't think they did. I just think they needed something to go ahead and get people to know that Prime Video is a place for people to watch. There you go. There you go. This is where you want to be. Absolutely. And, you know, make sure you go ahead and do your shopping on Amazon while you're there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what are your thoughts out there on Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, season one? Do you agree with us that it was a really solid entry for this season? Did you like the Halbrand reveal as Sauron? Did you like all the things that went down? Please let us know. Or do you want to go ahead and debate me like TJ probably <laughs> does on if you think which is better? Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, or Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. Yeah, I can tell already. That's okay. <laughs> you know what? Again, if I don't like something as much as my fellow host, that's okay. Because the thing I like most is that my friends are enjoying things even more than me. That make that brings warmth to my heart, that they are enjoying things. And that's that's to me, is what it's all about. And the Amen. fact that, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that, you know, maybe yeah, I'm, I'm right, but you never know. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But what are your thoughts out there on Lord of the Rings? The Rings of Power, Season 1. Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Action Figure Adventure is back with Season 2, and we're going further than ever before. Checking out more toy stores than ever before, and seeing more incredible, iconic, and noteworthy pieces than you could possibly imagine. Once again, Jay grapples with how to build the ultimate action figure auction to support critically and terminally ill kids in need. Along the way, we'll chat about Holy Grail figures, perfect action figures, and showcase some incredible toy collections. Action Figure Adventure Season 2. 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Jinx TV Canada. Well, my friend, it's the back half of the hour here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is TJ Johnson. 
back again. Catch him always on the Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, and Dig on America. And, of course, me, Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos. Wanted to go ahead and make sure I give TJ that soapbox to talk about Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, <laughs> and where we're going with it. For me, I said it's solid. I didn't say it's bad. I didn't say it's great. I just said it's solid for me because it, it checks the boxes. But I was never a super huge Stan continuing this word. Oh, my daughter is going to absolutely just give me an yeah. earful after yeah. this. Why yeah. are you using Stan, Dad? Stop why it while you're Stan? in it. Exactly. <laughs> so your thoughts on this. Before we get into some Sony talk, which I know you really want to get a soapbox on, and that I'm oh, in agreement more with you on. Oh, my goodness, yes. Your thoughts on Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, as it starts to wind down for the end of its own season one as we as we jump on some soapboxes because there are some soapboxes to be jumped on i absolutely loved that last episode of, of, of house of dragons i always want to call it game of thrones i'm probably going to still refer to it as game of thrones we know it's house of dragon but it's game of thrones and i i'm absolutely gushing gushing over how well that last episode went uh just from the the moment i know we're going to get into a little bit of spoilery territory and i'll try to keep it as vague as i possibly can but hey, we already the... spoil lord of the rings man it's okay okay Go all right fair it. enough well from the moment king viserys made his way to that main hall to actually sit down on the throne and otto hightower and allison both looked at each other like they just pooped their pants and everybody's like there's no way he's actually here he was there once again to save his daughter there is if there was ever a question and there probably never was, but if there was ever a question on if he loved his children or if he loved Renera, um, that question was answered in spades. The acting from both Patty uh, Constantine, I want to say, I think that's his name. I think that's the actor's name is Patty Constantine, something to that effect, was just incredible. The scene where him and Damon Targaryen were both walking up as Damon was helping him up to the to the to the throne and the crown fell and, and Damon Targaryen picked up the crown and put it back on, on his head. That was all impromptu. That was all script. That wasn't in the script that they weren't designed to do that. And they kind of just went with it and rolled with it to show that throughout everything, there's still a genuine love between those two. There's still a genuine affection that he, she has for his family. It was such a good episode that apparently George R.R. R. Martin contacted the actor who played the Sarah's Patty and said, your version is way better than what I wrote. Your version is superior to what I actually wrote. That man has been given all kind of roses and flowers for his performances of Viserys uh, Viserys Targaryen, uh, King Viserys. And it is sad that he, you know, he, he met his end at the end of last episode, even though he did it in a way that he felt he did the best he could, right? He felt like he did it under... He went on his on his terms. And what's even more uh, exciting, if you will, is to see the interaction between Allison's children and Rhaenyra's children and to see that that dinner and that final toast from uh, Aegon uh, or I think that's Aegon. It, it gets hard with all these Targaryen names between Aegon, uh, Rhaegar. Uh, Renera, there's a the lot Careful, of... Careful, I might just actually go ahead and, and try to pronounce <laughs> their names in Elvish tongue. <laughs> it, it, it gets a little tough, but I will tell you that the, the, the tension that builds every time there's a dinner scene, every dinner scene, every wedding in Westeros needs to be marked with a, 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 a scarlet letter. Like, there's never a good dinner 
scene. There's never a good wedding scene in Westeros. And this was no, this almost seemed like it was going to be different, right? I thought there was such great symbolism in this show. How when they sat on on the side of his face that was starting to deteriorate was the high towers, right? So it almost symbolically showed that his relationship with the high towers was starting to deteriorate. And how on his good side, he had the Targaryens, he had Rhaenyra, he had Daemon, he had his family on his good side to where, and again, it's, it's very, very minor things, very minor things. But to somebody like me who wants to take every detail and absorb it and, 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 and minusculely dissect it, it was such a great visual symbolic representation of of the relationships that he was having with these different parts of his family and then to see it deteriorate even further at the end where you know the comments are made about the strong cousins and how incredibly strong they are just to continue to force home the fact that yes we know you guys are not who you say you are we know you're not legitimate children that you guys are in fact children of of strong and to see that tension to see that tension especially between Damon Targaryen and I keep wanting to say Aegon or I keep wanting to say Rhaegar I'm not sure who he was but the one with the one eye to see that tension that see that little bit where you could tell that Damon was like yo he's gonna be this is gonna be fun and the other one was probably thinking the same thing like I, I want you to make a move like it you could cut that tension with a knife and that is essentially what game of thrones is in essence it's about family it's about fighting it's about this unspoken tension that happens at certain points in the season and um it checked every box for me it checked every single box so now you know we have this new battle for the crown because of the last thing that Viserys happened to say to his wife Alicent and she got it confused because you know i think uh i think he thought he was talking to Rhaenyra still and he was coming in and out of you know when you're on milk of the poppy which is essentially Westeros's version of opium uh you're <laughs> you know you're <laughs> you're not there so it may be in their best interest to not give out crucial information when they're high off milk of the poppy um but he clearly thought he was talking to Rhaenyra and so now this entire war of the dragons if you will is going to be started off of a misconception uh, from what Allison said, because by the end of the episode, Allison was like, yo, I'm done. Whatever they want to do, I'm on board. I want to, I want this to work. I need this to work at this point. And now all of a sudden with his last words, his last wishes, she misconstrues it. And now it's full on full tilt. Once again, um, it's just, it's deliciously destructive and I am absolutely here for it. Absolutely here for it. Well, again, I, it just warms my heart to see someone enjoy it so much more than I am and to think of it so highly. Because, again, you know, if, if you have good friends in your life, you always want them to go ahead and you're happy for them when they're happy. And to see such passion as far as you bringing it out of you on this, I think you've, you've been like other people out there that are, that are really passionate about the series, which I was kind of wary of going into it because of the fact that would it regain that that passion from all the Game of Thrones fans out there. And for a good percentage of it, it actually has. Yeah, it has. And I, I think that to the point that we made before about how, you know, we need that taste of season eight to be washed out of our mouth for a bit. It's important that we recognize where HBO had some faults. It's important that we recognize and call it out. You know, that we, we can call out the fact that HBO seemed to be very, very heavy handed on, scenes involving uh, sexual ag aggravated assault 
two women on that show, having the scene with Sansa and Ramsey Bolton, that yeah. their wedding scene, that was completely written for the show. That wasn't in the books. Yeah. So they seem to have this history of aggravated assaults um, in their show. And so now you flip side it. And again, it was a comment that my wife made the other day. She could tell that some of these episodes were directed by women, just the way that they were shot, the things that they discussed, the way that they discussed it, um, the way they let some of these women pass on. Uh, they, they didn't let them go out like, like little girls. They actually didn't let them go out like, like strong warriors that they were. You could tell that HBO has learned some lessons. They aged up their characters for the most part instead of continuously having them be the same age. And, 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 and we are now supposed to suspend our belief for the sake of storytelling that they're not who they, you know, they're not the same age that they once were. They, they've learned their lesson. And I'm completely okay with acknowledging and accepting uh, where they were. But now learning from it, you know, it's important that if we don't learn from our past, we're doomed to repeat it. So now they've, they seem to have learned from it and are now striving for different ways of telling stories uh, that are beneficial to not only the directors, but respectful of the audience, respectful of the people that are going to be consuming that media. While still giving this very Game of Thrones, there were a lot of very cringeworthy things that happened throughout this season. Um, right from episode one with the birth of, uh, or with the, the cesarean section that never goes well in Westeros. Um, that was a, a, such a gut-wrenching scene that I turned away. So it's still Game of Thrones. Let's be very, very clear. But they've made it so that they understand their core audience a little bit better, I believe, and that they're not going to just subject people to things for the sake of subjecting them to them as opposed to actually benefiting and progressing the story forward. So wait a second here. We talked so much at the beginning of the show about all the horror movies that you like, and you mm -hmm. know they have their share of blood, gore, and guts. But that original scene, which I saw, which I quite frankly did not... I mean, I thought it was bloody. I thought it was, but I didn't turn my head. But that made you mm -hmm. turn your head. That's interesting. So, I don't think that's it, a bad way or a good way. I'm yeah, just thinking that no. it's interesting. Interesting as far as Absolutely. because again, you spoke so much about your past with, yeah. with horror films. I can explain that very easily. So you know, again, we talk about entertainment being a window into our world. Well, mm -hmm. all of my children were born through cesarean section, um, and because as my children were mine. born through that's cesarean section, full disclosure, as were mine. So because my children were all born through cesarean section me having a bit more of a history with understanding how difficult of a recovery period a cesarean section is in the modern day can understand that that's a death sentence back then. So yeah. for them to have to make this, for the king to have to make a decision of that magnitude and to say, listen, she's going to die one way or the other. She is not going to make it out of this, out of this birth of, of this child. So do you want us to go in there and get him or not? There, that is a horrible position to have to put somebody in right and it makes me even think back and this is probably why i would grimace when i think about it not that i've ever had to make that decision but just knowing that those are serious surgeries it's not like a very minor thing while they're while they're frequent they're still serious surgeries and there's Absolutely. serious recovery time that comes from those so understanding what's at stake and understanding how intense those moments can be probably heightens my engagement with the same type of material in a television show or in any of the form of, of, of entertainment that I watch. It's no different than my reaction to uh, the very opening parts of The Last of Us uh, from when Joel's daughter was shot. You know, having a, having a baby girl, I can't imagine, I, I can't imagine what he would have felt in that moment, knowing that he was helpless to save her and that she holds him 
as she's dying. Like those are all moments that I can connect to because I've experienced having children. I've experienced having a baby girl. I've experienced having children where sometimes there are things that are happening that you have no control over as a parent. So there is a much more in-depth connection because of those experiences, if you will. Coming from that sense, it's it's definitely understandable. So mm-hmm. I thank you so much for elaborating on because I know mm-hmm. got into some personal areas. So I truly appreciate you doing that and, and your honesty and upfront. And when you think about it and look about look at it that way, yes, absolutely, it's completely understandable why that that uh, those scenes originally in that first episode were were can or would or can be horrifying. I mean, as it has been for a lot of people that really mm-hmm. went out there because they did go out there and get it. So they. Like you said, they decided to go and veer from what they did in the original series to try and provide shock and awe in different ways on this series in a couple different ways. And there was also the scene which a lot of people took issue and took umbrage with as far as the decapitation, I will say, from earlier this season as well. I won't say of what part because obviously this is a family-friendly show, but yes, that was uh, something else that people took umbrage as well. So. I will say that, again, Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon is still, again, for me, just because they are going ahead and trying to go ahead and push the box out there, that it is checking the box for me on this. Again, shock and awe, gore, check, check, check. Intrigue as far as political intrigue behind the scenes, check. You know, dragons a little bit here and there, check. You know, it's just to me the only thing I think the reason why it's not holding as much for me as far as the original Game of Thrones is just the ancillary or surrounding cast of characters the storylines between those characters are not as compelling yet yeah. as as the rich it's just yeah. been focusing on a targeted few mm-hmm. and for most people out there that has been a bonus and that's been exactly what they wanted yeah and i, I think because of how sprawling i remember watching the first season of game of thrones and trying to keep up with everybody and, and all the different families and the houses and the lineages and and there was just a lot of information to be to, to be handed. So uh, I, I would agree with that aspect of it. I do think that the much more linear, if you will, approach to the storytelling has has for me done wonders because I don't have to work as hard. Right. I know that we're dealing with the Targaryens and granted, this is a show House of the Dragon. So clearly we're dealing with the Targaryens, but this is much more directly focused on the Targaryens and their dynasty and what they did to set up where we were at the end of Game of Thrones or at the beginning of Game of Thrones 200 some odd years after the start of this series. So um, I can appreciate it for where it is. And and it's not that people don't appreciate it. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that I can appreciate the much more linear approach because it makes it a lot more easier to follow along for me. Absolutely. So what are your thoughts out there on House of the Dragon from the Game of Thrones? Are you liking what you're seeing so far in season one as it gets closer and closer to the end of that season? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip, or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. 
Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. But before we head on out, my friend, the Netflix ad-supported tier that I talked about on the Friday show, $6.99 a month. Everybody was excited about that. But wait! But wait! You got to read the fine print, which we didn't do on the Friday show, so I do want to make an add-on on it because of licensing because of certain <laughs> restrictions and maybe when it comes right down to it, it's money. Yeah. There is not going to be as much of content put on it as what we originally thought it would be for that ad supported tier. It is not going to be the full Netflix library that you would get if you paid full price. So you are getting a little bit less content to the extent nobody seems to know. It's not exactly elaborated, and we won't find out until November when it comes out exactly how much or how little you will get out of it. But your thoughts on this, my friend, it is something that they tried to go ahead and undercut Disney, but as we haven't seen how much or how much you're going to get out of Disney's ad-supported tier themselves because they could run into the same things, yet Hulu is ad-supported, and they don't have a problem with it. Yep. So tell me your thoughts on this, my friend. My thoughts is that Netflix is is as for as big of a giant as Netflix is, they're very Sony like from the standpoint of they're they're trying to milk and nickel and dime everything. They're trying to get a nickel and dime for every possible thing. So now they're saying, okay, we're gonna give you a cheaper option, but because we're gonna give you a cheaper option, we're gonna take some options away. For lack of a better term, it really reeks of desperation to me. It really reeks of we are losing the huge gap the, the gap is being closed from what we have from where we are to where everybody else is trying to be and because we're losing that gap we're going to do whatever we can to claw our way back into that number one spotter to maintain our foothold um mm-hmm. but we're going to do so and we're going to charge you for every which way we try to do that it reeks of desperation it reeks of being very tone deaf in their message and what they're trying to do you're trying to make it more consumer friendly or your message is you're trying to make it more consumer friendly but in that same vein You're saying, well, we're going to make it more consumer friendly for you, but we're also going to make it more friendly for us by not having to put as much content on those particular accounts as we would for a normal account. And you're just you're just doing too much. Netflix, you're doing too much. bro. You you, you really are. You're doing too much. It's very disappointing. Again, I think it, it was a misstep. It's something that they could have taken as far as them to the next level as far as bringing or uh, that uh, that 220 million subscriber base up even further or at least sustaining it yeah now there's a very real possibility that if the bad word of mouth happens on this ad supported tier that you could actually go ahead and have an issue where you're having a problem with a lot of people spend money on this and not getting as much out of it people could just go ahead and as you know the word of mouth can be really really bad when it comes to this ad supported tier. So I am uh, kind of disappointed to hear what I have to say, but again, it's all dependent on the user. If, if the user just wants to pay seven bucks a month and they don't care as much about the kind of content or the amount of content that they're going to get, it's something that they're going to go ahead and say, you know what, we'll go ahead and deal with it and we'll go from there. But I think we will see the early returns on this by, I'd say the probably the first time that they go ahead and have their first, accounting report covering this issue early next year we'll see some of the early returns on it we'll see some of the early reviews so i'm looking forward to hearing and seeing 
what the reports will be on Netflix's ad-supported tier, when we get the full story on it, when it comes out, exactly what's not in there and what is in there. So if you have thoughts, are you going to get or are you interested in Netflix's new ad-supported tier, $6.99 a month, but less content? Let us know your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. All right, before we head on out, my friend, Gotham Knights coming out here next week. You interested in getting it? It's funny that you mentioned Gotham Knights. So it was recently reported, and I just seen this on Twitter this morning, that it is going to be locked at 30 frames per second. And when I tell you mm-hmm. about this game being locked at 30 frames per second, the collective Twitterverse lost their mind. I mean, we're talking about people were canceling pre-orders and what kind of crap is this? They it went as far as blaming it on Microsoft and the Series S being the, the reason that it had to get dropped down to 30 frames per second. And it is just the way that people lose their mind on the most minuscule of things. If it doesn't come off as smooth as a 60 frames per second version of Cyberpunk 2077, then it, it, it is what it is. But if we're still going to get a dynamically sound game, um, the game that plays the way we would expect the Arkham game to play, Mm-hmm. what's the big deal? Uh, I just, the things people get upset about. So to answer your question, yes, I'm going to play this game. Um, I'm actually trying to get a team together. Gerald, if you want in on the team, man, you can be in. We, we can, we can, we can, we can take back the streets. There should be no reason why a game in 2022 does not come out at 60 frames per second. It just seems mind boggling to me with all mm-hmm. the technology and all the advancements that these development studios have that they cannot create a game that comes out that's locked at 60 frames a second. It's just mind-boggling to me. However, I will say that I am no software developer. I am no game developer, so I don't know what goes into creations of these these AAA titles and all the ambition that they have in regards to what they want to do. All that plays into effect. So uh, while I'm, I, I agree, I do think that any game that releases should be at 60 frames per second. If the gameplay that I get is still worthy, and the gameplay that I get is still fun and fluid, I'm not really going to allow myself to get caught up on the frames per second battle, um, especially because those kind of things ultimately can be patched up, right? You look at Spider-Man, where it did come out with a performance mode, and it came out with a fidelity mode, and they came out with a, a kind of a pro-fidelity mode later on down the line, where they said, okay, we'll do a mix of fidelity, a mix of pro, we'll lock it at 40 frames per second and kind of allow it to be uh the best of both worlds that's the kind of stuff that can be patched in if people really if there's truly a demand for it um well obviously i know there's a demand for the 60 frames per second i think what they're trying to what they're hoping is that their game and the game that they envision proves to for that to be kind of a moot point and not be necessarily the focus if you will i do agree it is a troubling sign that it's not but i also am one to believe that they have an artistic vision and maybe their vision was for it to be at 30 frames per second, or maybe their vision is ultimately for it to inevitably be at 60 frames per second. It's just going to be a little bit later than what they want it to do. So while it's, 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 it's frustrating, it's not, I'm going to cancel everything about this game frustrating. It's one of those still, let's see how it plays out. Let's see what kind of game we get. Obviously, my own reservations about it are just from the fact that there's no Batman and that they're saying that Batman is dead. And now we have to play with this team of heroes who, not that we're not interested in, but we prefer playing with Batman. It's a Gotham Arkham game and there's no Batman to play with. So obviously prefer to play with Batman. But if the gameplay ultimately is what we look for and expect out of an Arkham verse game, 
I think all will be forgiven. Well, we'll see what happens. But yeah, again, I think it's very strange that a game in 2022 <laughs> still can't find the frame rate that it needs, which is very disappointing to hear. But we'll give it some time. We'll make sure that this game can go ahead and reach the status and the heights that it can, or as hopefully a lot of people behind it will hopefully perceive as far as being a game that people like. So we'll see what happens. But if you have thoughts out there, if you're going to check out Gotham Knights, please let us know your thoughts on how you're enjoying the game so far when it comes out next week. Please let us know if you're getting it or if you're going to go ahead and wait to hear the response and then go ahead and play from there. Let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. Black Adam is on the way this weekend. <laughs> so please share your thoughts on Black Adam before we head on out. I'm excited that we finally get to see what the hype has been about. I mean, this this has been a love project of The Rock's. I'm sorry, Dwayne. This has been a love project of Dwayne's for the last six years. When he's been trying to get this thing off the ground. And oh, you mean the edge. true head of the table? The true head of the table. And let's be very, very clear. Everything The Rock's done. I, I'm sorry. Everything that Dwayne has done. You know, he's The Rock. Everything The Rock has done has essentially almost been a Midas touch where it's turned to gold. I mean, very, very few exceptions, Doom being one of those big exceptions. But most franchises and most things that he's touched has turned to absolute gold. So he has he has an idea of what he's doing. And for him to have done what he could to put this together. Um, and I, I've seen little clips of, of what he said has been, you know, obviously a a labor of love getting Black Adam to the screen and the last six years has been troubling trying to get it done and trying to get everybody in, in place and the right characters in it. I'm excited to see what it looks like. All the reviews I've read have made this thing out to be something serious, something that's really going to put the DC Extended Universe back on the map. Um, and potentially with the missteps that Marvel has had over the last, essentially everything after uh, Endgame, is really the point where it could put DC in a position to kind of be the powerhouse this year and actually put them in the driver's seat. So I'm I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what this movie puts out and what, what he does with this character and how he stays true to form because I've heard that he's very, very brutal, very true to the character in this film, uh, which is something that a lot of our comic book movie adaptations, for better or for worse, don't necessarily do. So... I am. I'd be lying to you if I said I wasn't looking forward to this film. This is this is one of those things where you're going to see it in the cinema. This is one of those things where I want the full on experience, the full on surround sound, the full on explode. I want all of that. So this is going to be a cinema see for me. Uh, will I ultimately see it at home too when I get it? Absolutely. But I need to see this in the theater first. Just excited to see what may happen for the head of the table, Dwayne <laughs> Johnson. And everything that he's going to be doing to setting up the DCEU, hopefully in a right direction with yes. Black Adam. I'm hoping that DC and Warner Brothers will actually make the right move and give him enough support and say, you know what, we're going to sit around the DC universe around you and hopefully return back as per his wishes to go ahead and face off against Henry Cavill Superman as well. I got a feeling that's going to happen sooner than later. You and I both indeed. But <laughs> please let us know your thoughts out there. Black Adam, you're looking forward to it. I know I'm looking forward to it. Let's hope you are as well. Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com Tremendous episode, my friend. You came out, as always, with your best in knowledge out there in the world of pop culture. <laughs> Any last thoughts before we head on out? I'm grateful that you've always been so welcoming to have me on this show, and I pray that we can continue to do this for many, many years moving forward, brother. Thank you. 
the red carpet will remain open for you. <laughs> it's not always open for me, but it's always <laughs> open for you, my friend, right here at the Cosmos. Amen, brother. I appreciate it. So for TJ Johnson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great